0: 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN. Des Moines Sports Leader, a Des Moines radio group station. Great Scott! I
1: got a bad feeling about this. It's showtime! Hurry, hurry, step right up! Introducing the star of our show, his name is... Wicked Rick. So without further ado, I bring to you... Wicked, 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 wicked... it down the
0: This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. For some reason, your headphones are dead. My headphones died.
1: This happened at the start of last week's show, too. And then I got shocked. Static electricity. Yeah, won't do that. something just happened there. Yeah. Up Peloton. Danny Bishop is keeping us on the air today. Hello, Danny. How are you? I
0: am doing well,
1: sir. How are you? I'm okay. My ears just hurt after that. If you're watching on the video, I had to sh- shake these things right out of my ear. Yeah, I have no working headset over here, Danny. So uh, when we play audio, it's going to be a real fun I've show. I'm going to point to you the. Yeah, you- <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be old fashioned. You turn my mic off and on. Maybe that'll that'll help. Nope, that did it last week. Okay. How about me? Well, let's see. Nope. Anyway, on to the sports. (laughs) We
0: will make it work. It's not the first thing that went wrong
1: today. You know, when you're not wearing headphones in this industry, it's kind of like working. My ears hurt from getting shocked. It's uh, kind of like working without a net. And um, that is kind of like what we're doing right now. I do miss her. Yeah. (laughs) whole lot of football uh, to get to. And you know what's so strange about this time in, uh, in the sports world? There are so many football stories. And we're nine days out from the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is the least of the discussion. There's so many other things that have happened this week. Of course, where we'll talk about and hear from Brian Flores and the lawsuit he has uh, put out against several NFL teams, class action lawsuit, and against the NFL itself. Uh, The Tom Brady retirement, I think I mentioned it last week. I expected Brady to retire, but I wouldn't be shocked if he came back. The word comes down. We'll talk about that coming up for sure before we get out of here. Um, And then Jim Harbaugh, which surprised a lot of people. And that whole situation of is he going to stay in Ann Arbor? It looked like he was going to wind up as the next Vikings head coach, but he stays in Ann Arbor and goes back to Michigan. But I do want to start with a little bit of what happened last week because I expected... A Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl, both teams were favored. This was kind of chalky, I understand that. And we wound up getting, you know, a bit of an upset, I guess. The bigger upset of the two was the Bengals, who are a 7 or a a 7.5 point favorite or whatever it may have been, uh, getting a win over Kansas City at Arrowhead. And not just a Kansas City at Arrowhead, they came back down 21-3. to You want to talk about a choke job in the AFC Championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs... That was a choke job. And I know a lot of people are looking ahead to the Super Bowl, and I will too, but I had to get on the air and start talking about what happened last week at Arrowhead because Kansas City was rolling in this football game. And Cincinnati had no answers for for the, uh, for the Chiefs in this offense. The biggest play of this football game It happened at the end. I think the biggest momentum shift game, uh, changing moment, happened at the end of the second quarter. Now, Kansas City blew through their final timeout when they attempted a challenge. And on the final play of the game, or final play of the half, I should say, instead of taking three automatic points, and because Harrison Butker's pretty automatic. Weather was fine, a little chilly, nothing horrendous. He'd been to Kansas City. Take those three points, and I know analytics people love, well, if you go for it, then you're up an additional four points. Well, it turned out to be a 21-10, you know, uh, second half or halftime deficit for, for Cincinnati. Wouldn't it have looked better if you're Kansas City for three extra points? And I know things don't always play out the way that they do. You know, ifs and buts, candy and nuts, and every day would wind up being Christmas. But when they shut Tyreek Hill down a couple of yards shy of the end zone, to me, that was one of those, uh-oh, Cincinnati is here to play. Cincinnati's not scared of Mahomes. Cincinnati's not scared of Tyreek Hill. Cincinnati's not scared of Andy Reid and that wild, crazy, potentially great Kansas City offense. And then in one of the great coaching moves of the entire offseason, instead of sitting back in a zone the entire time where they would rush four and drop seven, you saw what Cincinnati did defensively where they ran three and dropped eight and played more man. In that. And that, along with the robber sitting right there in the middle, and that disrupts a lot of that Kansas City passing game that goes over the middle. When I mean, you always see Tyreek Hill coming across the middle or uh, uh, Travis Kelsey running up a seam or something like that, there was a robber, there was a spy, there was someone keeping an eye on Patrick Mahomes for most of that second half. His quarterback rating, his QBR in the first half was 98. Patrick Mahomes' QBR in the second half was 1. Four. He was horrendous in the second half, threw the bad pick early, never, ever actually looked comfortable in that second half or what would wind up being the overtime for Kansas City. And a credit to the Bengals and that offense where Joe Burrow never flinched. We always called Joe Montana Joe cool, but I think we got to start calling Joe Burrow Joe cool. And what I think is going to be the biggest factor, it's not, I don't think Burrow's the biggest factor in the Super Bowl for Cincinnati to succeed. And here's why I say that. The game before the AFC Championship game, Burrow got sacked nine times by the Tennessee pass rush. Nine times. Because Cincinnati's offensive line is average at best when it comes to protecting for Joe Burrow. And this is one of the reasons why, if you go back a year ago, I can't believe that Cincinnati didn't draft Penny Sewell, the stud offensive lineman now playing for the Detroit Lions. And I know they took Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase is fantastic and probably will be fantastic for the next 10 years. But when you watch Burrow, who remember I re- remember a year ago, that offensive line collapsed and Burrow wound up blowing out an acl an mcl a pcl like all of them right so that to me was like man you got to protect that dude but they took jamar chase obviously the offense is great obviously jamar chase is going to be great and obviously they're in the super bowl so what the hell do i know but i'd go back two weeks ago when tennessee feasted on the cincinnati offensive line what's aaron donald gonna do what is von miller going to do how do you offset that you run the ball you hammer the ball and that is exactly what they did in the second half against Kansas City Joe Mixon was fantastic uh, Samaj Samaje Perine in the short screen game was fantastic and they out-physicaled Kansas City's defense in that second half which is fan- I mean that to me is one of one of the things one of the ways you offset a vicious pass rush like what the Rams are going to bring 9 days from now When they're playing at home, when they're playing that home game, because there's going to be a lot of Rams fans that are to be in the house, it's going to be very difficult for that offensive line to function on the silent count, because they're basically playing a road game. Expect Cincinnati to run the ball more than throw... Well, they'll still throw the ball a ton, but still emphasize running the ball with Joe Mixon, who has been, at times, just incredible, incredible this year. Now, as for Joe Burrow, you know, I mentioned that he's had to live behind an ugly offensive line. And one of the things that Burrow talked about earlier this week was it took him a little while to get used to it, but he's learning how to extend plays again.
2: It's night and day from the first half of the season. You know, I was, wasn't was really able to do any of that the first half. And, you know, I've really started to, to come into my own in that, in that sense, making plays, extending plays. Uh, that's something I've always been able to do, and, you know, I'm starting to finally feel like myself and, you know, able to pull out of some of those tackles when, you know, defense players have me wrapped up in the pocket and I'm starting to be able to, to get out of those situations and make some plays.
1: And this is not a guy who is Lamar Jackson, but he's still a guy who can move. I mean, there are guys out there that are able to get out and make some plays with their legs and extend and as he said, escape some of those tackles. But one of the keys for Burrow, as he said earlier this week, was he's just got to remain patient.
2: Sometimes you gotta sit in the pocket and you know a route's gonna come open and you got a defensive lineman like Chris Jones or Jeffrey Simmons bearing down on you and you have to sit in there and make the throw. That's part of playing the quarterback position. I think, you know, not only just doing that, but when you get up you don't you don't complain, you don't have bad body language when you get up, you know, you just get get up and go on to the next play. I think people appreciate that.
1: One of the the, the keys there is the chemistry and the trust and the fact that like you said in the very beginning of that soundbite, you're sitting back there in the pocket and you know a guy is going to break open. I can't imagine, and I've never played quarterback in the National Football League. I know, Danny, that comes as a real surprise to you, but I, I've never played quarterback <laughs> never? at the collegiate level, at the NFL level. But when you've got guys like Chris Jones or whoever crashing down on your offensive linemen, And you know you have two and a half seconds to throw the ball. Maybe three seconds to throw the ball. And that clock is going off in your head. One-one-thousand. Two-one-thousand. And there's a panic. And this is what separates some of the greats from some of the the junk quarterbacks in the National Football League is that ability to have the clock go and you wait and you wait and you wait and maybe you step up to extend the play by a tenth of a second or two-tenths of a second or whatever because you know that perhaps... There's a double move Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd have to go through. Or there's a spot 15 yards down the field that takes an extra three-tenths of a second for them to get to, as opposed to a quick pass. That's the poise of Joe Burrow. That is the poise that we are seeing in just year number two of Joe Burrow and these Cincinnati Bengals, who I think, I I don't know who the the, the world is rooting for. I, I have no clue, because on the other side... Yeah, it's Los Angeles, and, and a lot of the Midwest doesn't like the West Coast, and we don't root for, you know, Los Angeles and Hollywood, Hollyweird, the glitz and the glam of L.A., all the celebrities that are going to be at the game. You know, here we are in Des Moines. We're in Iowa. We're in flyover country. They don't ever talk about us. It's only a, it, the only a The Weather Channel only talks about a snowstorm when it hits New York. But I feel like people are rooting for Matt Stafford. I really feel like people watch Matt Stafford play for the Lions for so long you saw the talent he put up big numbers all the time and you root for a guy like that you know i i was at a game where the lions were playing these the, the Cleveland Browns and maybe you've seen this game highlights on youtube or whatever and it was stafford versus brady quinn and my buddy and i got tickets at the last minute and we went to the game and it was a 43-42 final, something along those lines. I don't even remember the final score. It Doesn't matter, because Quinn and Stafford were just throwing haymakers at each other, and Stafford got injured in that game, and and his arm was his shoulder was busted, and I remember he was miked up at the time, and he said something to the effect of "I'm going out there because the Lions were driving down the field," and I think he threw a touchdown pass with a broken clavicle. It was a meaningless game. It was late November. Lions weren't going anywhere. They're never going anywhere. But the grit, the determination, the toughness that Stafford showed as a quarterback for the Detroit Lions, I think, and the fact that he played for such a craptastic organization, finally to get the success, you root for a guy like that. And in Detroit, they're rooting for him. Even though he left their organization, he knew that it wasn't going to ever go anywhere. But what he did for that city, he gave them hope. He and his wife, Kelly, donated a ton of money and a ton of time to the city of Detroit. I think a lot of people are happy for Stafford.
2: The biggest thing for me is just getting to continue to play with this group of guys. Um, every year a team is different. The group of guys is different. And uh, this is just a special opportunity to continue to play with this group, which is amazing for me as a player coming to this team my first year and, and getting, to, uh, getting to continue to play. So I'm just enjoying that, enjoying that process and taking it day by day.
1: And he kind of struggled in that NFC Championship game against... Uh, the the San Francisco 49ers, especially early. It was a boring game early early on, you know? 0-0 zero, zero after that first quarter. It looked like San Francisco was going to physically have their way with the L.A. Rams. They were kind of punching them in the mouth. They were very tough at the offensive line spot, giving Stafford all kinds of problems. The running game was effective. You know, it was a typical Niners game. The problem for San Francisco is they have Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback spot, And Jimmy Garoppolo is the worst quarterback that was in these NFL playoffs. Meanwhile, the Rams just kept on doing it, kept on going. Stafford had a big second half, had a big fourth quarter. And it was just great to see because as Dan Orlovsky from ESPN said on Get Up earlier this week, Matt Stafford is is at his best when he has to be.
0: Matthew's at his absolute best when he has no other choice but to be. That's when he's at his best. And really, yesterday in the fourth quarter was kind of 13 years in the making. He's been in that moment and had had to play that way or needed to play that way for such a long time, but it never mattered to anybody outside of Detroit. So he's been prepared for that moment for such a long time.
1: And there has never been an organization that has wasted more Hall of Fame talent than the Detroit Lions. You can say, well, Wicket, your Packers only won two Super Bowls with Hall of Fame. Yeah, but think about that. They won a ton of division titles. They went to the playoffs all the time. And they won Favre 1-1, one, one, Rodgers won one Who knows what the future holds for Rodgers? I'm going to talk about that later on in the show. But the, think about this. The Lions had Calvin Johnson, who you could argue is a top three or top five wide receiver in the history of the game. Barry Sanders, who I believe is the greatest running back in the history of the game. And, and, and by the time Stafford is done, he might be top two top three statistically in the history of the nfl and if he goes on to win this super bowl in nine days you might be talking about a guy who's a hall of famer and i don't think anybody would have put him in the hall of fame when he was playing for detroit he gets new life at the back end of the prime of his career this could be the stamp that everybody has been waiting for from mad stafford who was never going to get that stamp because he played for a horrendous organization uh, in in detroit so i think there's a lot of people rooting for stafford and that story there are a lot of people rooting for cincinnati because two years ago they were so bad they had the number one pick in the draft and they took burrow and the bengals have been horrendous since <sighs> forever I mean, even when they get in the playoffs when they had andy dalton he never took marvin lewis's team serious they weren't a very good football team that wasn't a good franchise you know, there was the Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Perfect, and they were the Bungles. And they ne- but I think there are a lot of people that root for Joe Burrow, a lot of people that are rooting for this organization. You like Jamar Chase. You like what the Bengals are doing, and it's fresh blood. It is not Mahomes. It is not Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. We get the Rams, who we saw just a couple of years ago, but it was Jared Goff, and you get the Bengals. I, I, I think it's going to be a really good Super Bowl. I hope I'm right. I hope it's not one of these blowouts that we saw forever. We haven't really seen a lot of blowouts in the Super Bowl. So, nine days away. More on previewing this one on next week's show. Coming up, the biggest story in the National Football League. Man, there's some big ones this week. You're going to hear from Brian Flores, the former Dolphins head coach, who has gone fire and brimstone, scorched earth, and he's putting his entire career on the line for a cause, an important one. You'll hear from him next.
0: Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World
1: live in real time.
0: This is 1021 FM and 1350
1: ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Are we back on the 1021 yet, Danny? Or are we... uh, it,
0: I checked it this morning and we're not. The, right. the antenna's not fixed
1: yet. The uh, the gerbils are still spinning the wheels. <laughs> Mother nature. I never asked,
0: but I somebody suggested somebody might have shot the transmission line. And it affected all the stations that are on that line.
1: Yeah, I know that uh, a couple of other others in the building are having some issues, too. So we, if you're listening to us on 1350, uh, our engineer, Joe, who is doing a fantastic job. I mean, imagine having to be outside on towers, working at tower sites, and the temperature is 7 below all week. Oh, my God. See, another job. I hand it to those guys. I will tell you, I do mornings on laser. And uh, we had a call earlier this morning from a guy who is an outdoor steel worker. Mm-mm. that is another job that i am too soft Nuh-uh. for i am far too soft <laughs> to have and when we've got our engineers outside working on towers and oh the, the, the fM signal will be back so uh be checking that out i'm i would say within a week I think within a week they I mean, they were talking about this weekend too. So
0: yeah, I mean we we got to we moved a little bit ahead of schedule on it, so cool. we've got a good handle. So well, when when Danny Bishop is in charge, well, I'm a trained engineer. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I really am, by the way. Oh, well, <laughs> get your ass outside of yeah, Get the signal I working again, it. Bishop. What the heck
1: are you doing here? Come on. Um, so yeah, we'll be back up for sure. If you're checking us out on 1350, hello. What's up? My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Uh, coming up tonight, we have got Drake women's basketball taking on Valparaiso. We'll have that one for you. Four thirty for the pregame. Is it four thirty with Hunter Phillips today? Five o'clock tip tonight. It is going. Uh, I'm, so, I'm. Is in, that right? I
0: think I'm in the studio. I think you're of four. here. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I've, I've got the schedule right here. Studio time. Five o'clock tip is six o'clock.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So five thirty pregame. Hunter Phillips has that one Correct. tomorrow. Drake men and Northern Iowa at four thirty. The tip is at 5, and then after that, we'll join up with the Knicks and the Lakers. A couple of guys on both teams maybe playing in one of their last few games for either organization as the NBA trade deadline is next week. And then Sunday, more Drake women's basketball. Drake taking on Loyola. We'll have that one 1.30 on Sunday. Hunter Phillips has the play-by-play right here on ESPN Des Moines. It's so weird that the fourth biggest story in the NFL this week is the Super Bowl. And I know it's nine days away. We're not there yet. And, you know, there's just... For, for whatever reason, there have been some huge NFL stories. I talked about the AFC and NFC Championship games. I'm going to get to Brady. I'm going to get to Harbaugh. I'm going to talk about some quarterbacks that are on the move, potentially, if I've got time before I get out of here. But the Brian Flores story has just been massive. And Brian Flores, the former Dolphins coach, a member of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, has filed a lawsuit accusing the National Football League of sham interviews, incentivizing losses and pressure to improperly recruit players. When you hear from Brian Flores right now, uh, here is what he told Greeny about why he is filing the lawsuit.
3: We didn't have to file a lawsuit for for the world to know that there's an, an issue from a hiring and firing um, practices so in the you, International Football League. Why? Did,
0: that, that's um, correct. A like lot the, of people just, yeah. have pointed this out. So why did you feel you needed to do
3: this? Because we need change. That was, that, was, that was the number one reason. And I know there's, there's a sacrifice, there's risk to that, but um, at the end of the day, we need change. We need change. Um, I, I know many very capable um, black coaches, um, some of my staff, who I know um, if given an opportunity or when given an opportunity are going to go and do a great job on their interview. Um, and I would just hate for that uh, to, be a, to be a waste.
1: There's no doubt that the National Football League is an old boys club. Good old boys network. There, there's, you, you can't, look, there's one black head coach. It's Mike Tomlin. He's the only one. I believe there are two black GMs. One, the new guy in Chicago, Poles, and uh, the guy in, uh, in Pittsburgh. I believe that's it. And I'm not saying that you need to hire someone based on the color of their skin. But there is something out there that we have, wait, what, eight or nine NFL coaching options out there. There were nine vacancies. I think six have been filled so far, and they're all by white dudes. And and, and maybe those are the guys that are best for for the job. Maybe those are the best candidates. But I believe there is some merit to what Brian Flores is trying to do here. You know, with the investigation into the Washington football team, that produced the Jay Gruden, or John Gruden story, and John Gruden being let go, stepping down, getting dismissed. However you want to phrase it, Gruden's no longer the head coach of the Raiders because of a lot of racism inside of his emails. It's still a prevailing thing. Racism is still a prevailing thing in the National Football League. In case in point, I mean, that one of the big storylines in this whole thing is the fact that Brian Flores got text messages on the 24th of January from Bill Belichick saying that the Giants are going to give him the job and he's going to be the Giants head coach, and, and congratulations on getting the job. And Flores texts back and said, who are you texting, Brian Flores or Brian Dable? <laughs> and Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator for the Bills, Oops. who three days later got hired as the head coach of the Giants. And that could be a miscommunication, right? Everyone's joking that Bill Belichick has to go back and label his phone White Brian and Black (laughs) Brian, which is funny. The problem is, remember, that was on the 24th. Brian Flores was supposed to have his job interview with the Giants on the 26th. Dable didn't get named the head coach until the 27th. So that interview he was going to go into with the New York Giants was an absolute sham. It's part of the Rooney Rule. Remember, 20-some years ago, the Rooney Rule, Art Rooney, the Steelers owner, came together and said, look, we we got to come up with something to make sure that minorities get opportunities for interviews with these coaching. Because there was going to be a lawsuit. Johnny Cochran was going to file this lawsuit against the National Football League. And therefore, now with every coaching vacancy, you have to interview one minority candidate. At least one. I mean, you should probably talk to as many people as you can. So he gets these text messages from Bill Belichick about, Brian, congrats on getting the job, and it was the wrong guy.
3: Ooh. Disbelief, humiliation, you know, that was a tough pill to swallow. And and that, you know, I have a great amount of respect for Bill and Brian Dayball. Um, Brian's a great, great coach. I think he's going to do a, a, a great job as head coach in this league. I was... I was upset that I wasn't getting a true opportunity to show what I can do, to show what I can bring to a team.
1: I think anybody would be upset with that. It doesn't matter if you're black or you're white or you're purple or whatever. I think if you, you know, you go into any kind of job interview, you'd like to think, Danny, that you would have an opportunity to get that next job. And not just be considered a token. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why am I wasting my time? Why are you wasting your time if this isn't, if there's 0% chance... That this is going to happen. And some people are like, well, why would he do the interview? Because he still went and did the Gotta interview. Go the you go through the motions. You You have that. You, you do what you have to do because there will be younger black coaches years down the road that this hopefully will build towards and giving them more opportunities. You, you do it as well because, well, maybe it is a token interview. This has always been my thought. Maybe it is a token interview, and they're just the, the team is going through the motions, the owner is going through the motions. But maybe you catch the eye of someone who's an assistant GM that three years from now gets a GM job, and he really liked you in that interview. Whereas maybe the general manager didn't like you, and he can pick up the phone and say, Hey, Brian, love that interview you gave us when you were trying to, to get the Giants job, loved all your answers. I've been thinking about that interview, let's stay in touch. And then three years later, maybe you're a legitimate candidate as opposed to being an illegitimate candidate because the Giants screwed you. Now, there's also the story out that when he interviewed for the the Broncos job a couple of years ago, the one that Vic Fangio got, the 66-year-old white dude, it's a terrible hire. But what Flores is alleging is that when he went in for his interview, that John Elway and the rest of the team presidents and management and all that, they were all hungover. So did they not come into that interview with the amount of professionalism? And this is again his word against a lot with the Denver stuff. He's got the text messages with the Giants, like that. That's he's got the Bill Belichick text messages, right? So that's pretty legit. But with Denver, it's his word against theirs. But he just he, you can kind of get the feeling when somebody's not all there. I've been hungover <laughs> a lot. No, <laughs> I, I know. And so there's that. There's the Steven Ross stuff, the owner of the Dolphins, who allegedly tried to offer him $100,000 per loss in 2019 to get a better draft pick. What coach is going to want to do that? One more from Flores when he was asked about what he wants to see come out of this.
3: I would like to see the hearts and minds, and I, and I say that, I want the hearts and minds of the people making those decisions to change in a way where they want to or, or have a feeling to hire someone of color. Mm-hmm. Um, that they can relate to that person, that they can uh, build a relationship with that person, because I think that's that's a little bit of the issue. The familiarity isn't there, and I think we need to open up a little bit more, and there's an opportunity for that.
1: And it's not that I'm on the air here on ESPN Des Moines and it's Wicked saying, we need to fill half of these coaching vacancies with black guys. But they should get the same consideration as everybody else, and the way this feels and the way this has felt, they're not. And Brian Flores is doing something here that's pretty damn bold. He is committing career suicide, I believe. Because who's going to hire this guy? Who would want to hire the guy that's suing the National Football League? Who would want to hire the guy that's suing the Giants and the Dolphins and the Denver Broncos? Who wants to hire that guy? Because if you piss off Brian Flores, what's he going to do the next time? Is he going to come up with some lawsuit? Frivolous or legit? Against your organization, who's going to want to hire that guy? So, what he's doing at the NFL, I believe, is career suicide. Could he be a college coach? Could somebody give him a chance down the road? I, I, I have no idea. I think Brian Flores is a good coach. I mean, his team started out one in seven this year, but then they won seven straight, almost made the playoffs. So it's it, you know, what Brian Flores is doing is trying to enact some actual change. He's sacrificing his career for it. And, and I, I believe there's some legitimacy to it. Absolutely, there's some legitimacy behind everything that he is doing. All right, coming up, I'm going to switch gears. More Again, so much football going on this week, and there is no game other than the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl sucks. But Tom Brady retires. Jim Harbaugh goes back to Ann Arbor. And if I've got time, some quarterbacks that could be on the move.
0: You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021-FM
1: and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021-FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Coming up, the quarterbacks that could be on the move. There are a lot of quarterbacks that could be on the move. We'll get to that. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Don't forget tonight. Drake women's basketball, Hunter Phillips has the, uh, the game at 6, did we say that, 6 o'clock? That's five the tip, 5.30 for the pregame, correct. 6 o'clock tip against Valpo tomorrow. Michael Admeyer has Drake men taking on uh, Northern Iowa. It'll be the Bulldogs and the Panthers at the Napp Center, 4.30 pregame, 5 o'clock tip, and then after that, we'll get you most of the Knicks and the Lakers, if not all of the, the Knicks and Lakers. Sunday, it's Drake women against Loyola of Chicago. That's your weekend programming here and then Monday we have uh, Big Monday, Kansas, Texas, I believe, out of the Big Twelve on the men's side, right? From we ESPN, do do? Yeah,
0: Kansas, Texas. That's going to be uh,
1: huge. Airtime seven thirty pregame. Huge. We always have something live on oh, this yeah. radio station. Oh yeah, we always have live sports for you. Um, the other, again, so many big stories not involving the Super Bowl. Tom Brady retires. No real surprise. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you about the greatness of Tom Brady. I think you have been beat over the head with the greatness of Tom Brady for two decades now. Um, Thank God that's over. I mean, I I think, (laughs) have you seen the pie charts? You know, why people are excited about the Super Bowl. There's a small sliver Bengals fans, small sliver Rams fans, and then 90% of the pie is happy Brady's not in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Because I I think that, and and I I actually expected Mahomes to start to get the same treatment. Had Kansas City gotten back to the Super Bowl, and I was very surprised that they didn't, but people just got sick of seeing, you get sick of seeing greatness. Like, I think college football fans outside of the South are sick of seeing Alabama. They're always playing for the national championship. They won another one uh, last year. They were in it again this year. They lost to Georgia. I think a lot of people were happy. Like, I didn't have a ton of interest in in the college football national championship game. I don't root for Bama. I don't root for Georgia. I'm not from the South. The SEC is the powerhouse conference. I think there are a lot of us who get sick of seeing, like when the Lakers were winning all their titles. You're like, ah. Oh. I think people, even though most of us admired or loved watching Michael Jordan play, you got sick of the Bulls winning all the time, right? Is it part of the part of the coverage? It's just overcovered. Yeah, I just feel like it, you know Brady has been. You can't argue. His resume versus anybody else's resume in the history of the National Football League. Who's gone to 10 Super Bowls? That's insane. That's stupid. It's hard to get to one. Ask Dan Marino. It's hard to get back to a second one. Ask Aaron Rodgers. Only a few guys have played in three, and that dude played in 10. It's just... It's it's incredible. And he won seven. He won six in New England. He won one in Tampa. And at 44... You can argue he was the MVP of the league. You really can. Um, I think he got out at the right time. He had one major injury on his knee about 12, 15 years ago. Remember that year when Matt Castle led New England to a 10-win season and didn't make the playoffs, which was really strange. And then Castle got paid by the Chiefs. And then Castle sucked with the Chiefs. And Brady came back and continued on his Hall of Fame career. He's 44 years old. He's got five Super Bowl MVP trophies. He's got seven Super Bowl rings. He did it in two cities. He did it with two systems. He escaped mostly any sort of major injury. I don't worry about CTE with that guy. You know, there's just, there's so much about Brady getting out now that makes sense. No one's supposed to play this late in their career at this level, at 44 and be an MVP candidate. It's not supposed to happen. Wake me when he uh, they send him to Mars. I mean, what can't he do? He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He's got his TB12. He's involved with crypto. He's got three kids. One is with Bridget Moynihan in New York. And two with Giselle. Like, the dude's life is going to be... He's 44. He's got a $24 million house in Tampa Bay that's on the wall. Like, Brady is getting out at the perfect time. How old is Farb? When he quit, maybe 43. I knew he was up there. Yeah, I, I want to say 43. Because the difference is, the Favre's last year, or his last two years in Minnesota, when Favre went to Minnesota, he you could argue he was the MVP of the league. He played great, and it crushed my Packer-loving soul yeah. to have him come to Lambeau and kick the Packers' ass. Mm-hmm. And then when they went to uh, their stadium, the Dome, they kicked the Packers' ass. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I hated it. And when they were this close to the Super Bowl, and Favre threw the pick, how could you even ponder passing the famous call from Paul Allen? I was like, man, I'm happy. Because I liked watching Favre play, don't get me wrong. I think what he did to the organization, holding him hostage, was was not cool. And then the next year, when Father Time officially caught caught up to him quick, because again, Favre was playing great his next to last season, He left Green Bay, went to the Jets, played well for the Jets, and then went to uh, the Vikings and played great. Lights out that first year. And then there that second year, he got hurt, and then all of a sudden Favre wasn't Favre anymore. He wasn't the Iron Man anymore. Brady, you never know. When he had 45, which was always Brady's goal, Brady could fall off the map. We have no idea. The man threw 47 touchdowns this year. He threw for over 4,000, over 5,000 yards this year. I mean, he played great. And his legacy is set. There's no... Even though they got knocked out by the Rams in the divisional weekend, who cares? His legacy is set. You don't want to start, you know, tarnishing that legacy by coming back for one more year and maybe you look like Willie Mays hobbling around in the center field for the Mets. Or Michael Jordan, the Wizard. You know, you don't want to do that. Brady, signed, sealed, done, delivered. He doesn't have to do anything. Maybe the next time we see Brady, we'll be on a Manning cast or some sort of interview before the Super Bowl or whatever the case may be. But the GOAT is done. And it's going to be weird not watching football with Tom Brady. And I love all the drama. On this radio station, we're guilty of it with some of the ESPN programming. Is the NFL going to be okay without Tom Brady? Yes, the NFL is going to be okay without Tom Brady. Somehow the league will survive. That era of quarterbacks, Brady... Eli, Peyton, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Phil Rivers. all That was a great era for football. L- the quarterback play was as high and as uh, amazing as has ever been. But guess what we got now? You know, we got two old guys in Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, and then we got Mahomes and Josh Allen, and we got Lamar Jackson, and we got Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, and these young guys that are ready to take it to the next level. The league's going to be just fine without Brady. All right? Will we
0: be able to replenish the oxygen?
1: Uh, we'll be all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll be just fine. The quarterback play in this league is, is at an all-time high. It's never been better, and it's only going to get greater as these young guys come into their own. And then you have the real young guys, like the Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrences, and you know what's next for Mac Jones and all of that, who all grew up watching Brady. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Some quarterbacks may be on the move. We'll talk about that. A little bit of Harbaugh talk as well next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What's up? It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Happy Friday to you. So I'll get to the quarterback stuff next week. Trust me, no one's going anywhere during Super Bowl week. They're not going to... I can't say they're not going to because Lord knows anything can happen. This week has been crazier than I thought it would be, but I will get to that next week about the quarterbacks on the move. The big story that kind of bridges college football in the National Football League is that of Jim Harbaugh, who three days ago, if you would have asked me who's going to be the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, I would have said, it's going to be Jim Harbaugh. It feels kind of slimy and dirty the way this thing turned out. Of course, Harbaugh had one successful year finally at Michigan. He was getting... We kept hearing rumors about the Dolphins and the Raiders and the Bears, and then the Vikings were seriously looking at him. And then on Wednesday, he flies for a second interview to Minnesota. And from everything we're hearing, he was expecting the offer to be the head coach of the Vikings. Didn't get that offer. Goes back to Michigan, where he says that was just a one-time thing. Here's what Desmond Howard said about Jim Harbaugh. If
0: you have a person and they show you who they are, believe them. He's shown Michigan. He's shown... Ward, you know who he is, and he—I don't think he's ever made any bones about it—that you know there was an interest in going to the NFL. I don't think this last episode of him flirting with the NFL will do a lot as far as taking that interest out of his system. I think that you know it may still be in his system, and everyone should move forward accordingly.
1: Ward is uh, Ward Manuel, the athletic director at U of M. Damian Woody on ESPN earlier this week said he was surprised that Harbaugh wound up going back to Michigan. I, I am surprised considering the, the status of Jim Harbaugh, the relationship he had with the uh, new general manager in Minnesota, the resume that Jim Harbaugh has in the National Football League, I am a little surprised. So what happened? What exactly went down? Here's ESPN Vikings insider Courtney Cronin. I think that there was this assumption from from his side of things that did not line up with what the Vikings were intending Wednesday to be. And it was a real job interview. It was the exact same format, the same schedule, the same people that he would meet with that they did on Tuesday for Giants defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. So, you know, Harbaugh came in according to sources I've talked to, you know, the last 24 hours his intention was i'm going there to sign a contract and that just like was not the case this was a real job interview where he had to sell the team on
0: him being the best fit for the job and the fact is it just did not
1: you know both sides did not agree eye to eye on kind of what the entire thing was and that's why he left minnesota on wednesday without an offer viking is going to go with kevin o'connell it looks like the offensive coordinator from the rams and I'll be honest, man, when I, when I heard about Harbaugh going back, I started thinking about the kids, and he, this all happened on Wednesday, which is National Signing Day. Now, granted, National Signing Day isn't what it used to be. Now, there's the early signing period in December, and kids can enroll, a lot of them enroll early in January, but traditionally, the first Wednesday in February, National Signing Day, is when a lot of the high school kids fax in. They still fax, it's ridiculous, but they still fax in their letters of intent to the universities, and there were kids that were deciding on Michigan or not Michigan on National Signing Day. And there were kids that had already decided on Michigan verbally that I'm sure when they woke up on National Signing Day they were like, huh, what's this, what does this mean? And and I believe Michigan fans still in the back of their mind has to think, well, if he can replicate what happened last year, and, and who knows if Michigan can do what they did last year, again, coming up in 2022, without their two best pass rushers and their best running back. If he can replicate that again, does he continue to get more looks? And is his name, you know, bandied around the National Football League? Are the Dolphins going to be looking for somebody? Or is this going to be the Jets looking? I, so who knows what's going to happen a year from now? But it's got to feel a little dirty if you're a Michigan fan because, you know, you're dating somebody who might be thinking about somebody else. Maybe, you know, you've been on a date with, uh, with a man or a woman, and they're thinking about not you. Is Harbaugh truly all in? Is, the, is Captain Comeback and Bo's guy, the guy that came back to save the program, is he truly all in on Michigan? Or are we going to go through this a year from now? By the way, Harbaugh's stock never going to be higher than it is right now. I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State in Columbus next year. I don't think Michigan is a Big Ten championship contender next year. He may have been smart to take the payday elsewhere and go on other interviews, but he's going back to Ann Arbor, and Go Blue fans are happy. Danny, thank you so much for keeping me on the air it's been today. Fun. Yeah, we got Drake women's basketball coming up tonight. That is it. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks for watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. My name is Mike Wickett. This has been Wickett's World. Have a great weekend. I'll talk with you next week. Peace out, everybody. you later. <laughs>